I will admit to you, uh, the congregation, that I struggled a little bit deciding what to preach this morning in light of our service this evening. Brother Philip is to preach a sermon, Brother Samuel's already told us, on goals for the new year, so what do I preach to you this morning? But I did seek the Lord for a message this morning. And I guess I would say, as we face a brand new year, we want to seek Him, we want to seek light for the journey. So today, that's, that's what my desire is, that we uh, look into God's Word to find some light for the journey for 2024. And so for a text this morning, I would invite you to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, verses 13 to 17, and I'd like to read this from the New King James Version. <clears throat> now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he... And God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he, then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from hence, from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I'd like to thank Brother Elam for his prayer a while ago. And I guess I was praying that God would give me his presence here this morning because I really don't have anything to share unless I have a connection with him. And uh, I really sense the need, and I still do, that God would be my portion this morning, that we could hear from him. Here in these verses, uh, we have an urgent request. Maybe I should give you a title. The title of the message this morning is, Choosing in Light of Eternity. The first point of the message is an urgent request. Here we have... Moses making requests of God. Moses and the children of Israel had seen and experienced God's power and his presence on a daily basis. And we can go over these fairly quickly. And you think about these miracles. I can read them to you. But what if you was part of the children of Israel and you saw these miracles day after day? I'd like to think of them real quickly. Just think about the ten miracles, the ten plagues prior to the Exodus. Imagine how wonderful that would be. Also think about how the Israelites experienced the cloud to lead them by day. Can you imagine? And also think about the pillar of fire to lead Israel by night. We're talking about day by day, God showing his presence and his power among the people. Number four, the gathering of the miracle food, manna every day. God provided something 
out in the desert for them day after day. It was miracle food. Also, there was a time when the, uh, the rabble rose up and complained about not having food and meat to eat. And you know how God provided quail. Tell me how long that God was going to feed the children of Israel. 200, let's see, probably about 2.5 million people. How long was he going to feed them quail? Somebody tell me. One day, two days. Correct. Can you imagine the logistics? I, I don't know how much, and I didn't figure it up, but I thought, what if there was trailer trucks of doves or quail? How many trailer trucks would it take to feed two and a half million people for a month? I don't know. We're talking about miracles. Or what about when the children of Israel did not have water to drink? Probably days on ends, they were thirsty and their animals were crying out. And the people were crying out. They didn't have anything to drink. And Moses spoke to the rock, or at one time he struck the rock. And you know, water poured out of a rock. And you know, that's not possible either. Seventh. And this was a beautiful miracle in itself, the provision for healing from sin. You know how Israel had complained uh, about the food and how serpents came and they bit the people and how God told Moses to put a serpent up on a pole and God provided for their healing. So these are seven things that were miraculous the, most, the children of Israel saw day after day. And on the premise of God's faithfulness in Israel's past, Moses made two requests that were urgent. Urgent appeals for the future. He said, number one, he said, show me your way. And secondly, Lord, please continue your presence with me. Two things. And brothers and sisters, if you forget everything I say, I hope it's your desire tomorrow morning or in the mornings that you pray, Lord, show me your way. And please continue your presence. We know that you have been faithful, and I thought maybe I should have asked. Maybe there would be someone here this morning with a testimony of how God miraculously provided for you in 2023 or in the past. And I think we can hear response we could hear a response from you. God has been faithful. But are you willing, am I willing to pray in the morning, seeking God, show me your way. Lord, please continue your presence with us. And so, brothers and sisters, you and I have stepped over the threshold into a new year in 2024. And I submit to you that our prayer, our urgent pleas should echo just the same thing that Moses had pled with God for. Lord, show me your way. Lord, please continue your presence with us. Why do I say that? And I'd like to suggest that there are some things in 2024 that we could be facing. Now, you might think of a few others. I'm going to name a few. Why would we want God to show us the way? Why would we request and ask His presence to be with us? Number one, 
How many of you have noticed a resurgence of sickness, of illness, of flu and COVID currently? Anybody notice that? There's a lot of people right now that are sick with flu. There's a lot of people that's coming down with COVID. We have some in our own family. Don't get worried. I don't know that I've been close to them. But there's a lot of people with COVID uh, right now. Number two, the unrest in our country, the polar, polarization of the political parties. Uh, if, if most of us don't have our heads in the sand and you recognize that there's tremendous polarization, different views of the political parties that we have, what will happen in 2024? Also, we have a presidential election scheduled in November, and I heard this morning that there's 50% of the people in the United States expect when there's a transfer of power that there will be violence. That's what people are expecting in 2024. Now, whether we have a transfer of power, I'm not sure, but when that happens, the statistic is that 50% of people are expecting violence when that occurs. Number four, we heard already about the ex escalation of the war in Gaza and in Hezbollah, Iran, and North Korea. Uh, evidently north of Israel, they're in Beirut or in Lebanon. The Hezbollah is shooting missiles back into Israel. Uh, that's just happened just recently. And those things are out there, but Brothers and sisters, what are we facing in our own lives? What about the spiritual dangers and the temptations that you and I face on a daily basis? What about growing apathy in many churches and apostasy? And I submit to you that we are facing an unknown future in 2024. And it seems to me very appropriate that we would pray, Lord... Show us now your way. Lord, please continue your presence with us. But this morning I'd like to broaden the message beyond Moses' urgent request and consider a little bit the life of Moses. As Moses faced life and as he faced the future, what spiritual parameters governed his choices? And are there some spiritual parallels that we should apply to our lives in the decisions that we make in 2024? Like I said, I don't know what Brother Philip is uh, going to preach tonight, so I thought maybe I would kind of steer a little more clear of a traditional New Year's sermon. But I'd like to consider a few lessons from the life of Moses. For the second point of the message, I would invite you to Hebrews chapter 11. I'd like to read this from the NIV, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. By faith Moses' parents hid him from, for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt 
because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's wrath. Anger, I'm sorry. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So I'm sure you could think of, of other things, and I'd just like to suggest three or four things that some lessons from Moses' life that would do us well to consider. Number one, as we look at these verses here in Hebrews 11, Moses was brought to a point of decision. The King James Version reads this way, By faith Moses, when he was come to years. I don't know how old Moses was when he, was came, to, when he came to the point of decision. Sally and I was discussing that yesterday. And I'm not sure we were quite in agreement, but that's okay, because we don't know. But how old was Moses when he came to the point of decision? But evidently he came to the point of decision. And brothers and sisters, all of us, all of mankind are brought to this same crossroads sometime in life. Will you and I, will we continue to chart our own way of life make our own decisions, or, we, or will we surrender our allegiance and will to a higher authority? Moses came to the, to the point where he needed to make a decision. Is it my way? Am I going to follow my own way, my own initiative, or am I willing to surrender my will to another? And often we think that maybe children, 12, 14 years old, they come to the age of accountability. They come to the years, when he was come to years, just like Moses. And they need to make a decision. And Moses made a decision that he was going to accept God's way for his life. Secondly, Moses chose to trade in short-term pleasures of this life to identify with God and God's people. Was the decision that Moses made an easy one? No. It wasn't an easy choice. And did the choice that Moses made, did, he, did it relieve him from trials and struggles? Obviously not. How could he make such a choice? It says here, in verse 25, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of a sin for a season. He made a choice. He was going to look beyond. He was going to pass by those, those things that would appeal from the flesh, from the world's perspective. In verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And how was he able to make this hard decision? For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses looked to the reward. And so, brothers and sisters, how about you? You and I have been brought to the point of decision. Are we going to continue to follow our own way, or are we going to follow God's way? We are brought to that same decision. And how can we make that decision? Because we look forward to the reward, just like Moses did. Thirdly, Moses often communed with God one-on-one. I'd like to read from the 
NIV from Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11. Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone requiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So often Moses would go and he would commune with God. And the people recognized it and they would stand at their tents and they would worship. And then notice, I'd like to read a couple verses from chapter 34 from the NIV as well. And this talks about what happened, what did it do for Moses when he met with God. Chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. And they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands of the Lord that had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. You know, I guess I don't expect for you and for me that when we spend time with God that our our faces are going to come out radiant. But it should make a difference. In, in how we relate to people and what we have to offer. When we spend time with God, uh, there should be a difference. We should go to worship Him. It's not only to speak to God, but it's to, to worship Him for what He's done for us, to seek Him. Show me thy way, like Moses said. Show me your way. And Lord, continue your presence among us or with me. And we certainly need that this morning. So, I guess... As I think about it, brothers and sisters, there's nothing more important than our relationship with God, spending time with Him. We must be intentional to get that done. There's a lot of things to crowd out that time. Let's, let's see. It asks in the Sunday school lesson, are there any water pots that you need to, to lay aside to worship? I don't remember exactly how it was, it was worded there. But there's a lot of things, there's a lot of distractions in our world today. 
Satan would desire that we would not spend our time with God. But I'm impressed that God invites us into his, his presence. He says, draw nigh unto God, and what will he do to you? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That's his promise to you. I'd like to read a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 4. Thinking about Jesus and what he's done for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When Jesus gave his life, the, te- the veil in the temple was rent in two so that we can have access into his presence. There's, there's just so many passages that we could go to as we think about worshiping, as we think about going into his presence. Another one I thought of is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Moses said, show me your way. Here it says, to trust in the Lord, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think that is beautiful. And then James 1.5 is another one that I think is beautiful. Do you not have what you need? Do you not have the wisdom? Verse 5, James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You and I have been invited into his presence to seek the Lord for whatever your needs are. One of the names of Jesus is I Am. And I like that because Jesus is whatever your need whatever your needs are. You need protection? Jesus said, I am. I am your protection. I am your provider. I am whatever you need. So go to the Lord, seek Him for an outpouring of wisdom. I thought there in James 1.5 it talks about that there will be a liberal outpouring of God's wisdom if we, we ask Him for it. There's a lot of beautiful character traits that we could pull out of the life of Moses. Number one, Moses had a teachable spirit. He said, show me your way. That's important. We need to have a teachable teachable spirit just like Moses had. Also, secondly, Moses was compassionate. He sought God on behalf of others. Remember when God was upset with Israel, Moses interceded for them. Do we intercede for the needs of our family? Do we intercede for the needs of our those here in our church? And you know, we can read over that Moses and the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, if I remember right, there were 603,550 men. 
and you have women in addition, and you have children in addition, and you think about two and a half million people. I don't know why I thought about it, but I thought about the Mennonite Church Directory. I took the Mennonite Church Directory last night and went through all the conferences and fellowships and, and wrote down all the people, the members of all the churches in Southeastern, Mid-Atlantic, Midwest, South Atlantic, and so on. And I came up with 52,000 members. And so you think about Moses and how he went and he heard the concerns of the people and they came and, and Moses needed to make a judgment for two and a half million people. There are hundreds of ordained men in this book. You can look in the back of this. But what if there was only one? One man for this whole book times 40. And that is about how many. Moses was responsible for two and a half million people. One man for two and a half million people. No wonder Jethro said, what you're doing is not good. You need to delegate. You need to get some help. Thank God we have some help setting up here this morning. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was interesting to think of how many two and a half million people was. And think of, of one man being responsible for that many. Uh, thank God for the ministerial teams that we have. I'm so grateful for them. The third thing I thought about Moses is he demonstrated meekness. It's my understanding that God's word said that Moses was the meekest man on earth. And is that what you think of a good leader? Do you think that's a good character trait for a good leader? That he's meek? I think it certainly does. Meekness, somebody that rules with an iron fist. It probably will not get along so well driving the sheep. But Moses was a man of meekness. And fourthly, Moses recognized that he was insufficient of his own power and his own strength to carry out God's will for his life. And if you remember, when Moses came there to the... To the uh, the wilderness, and he saw the bush on fire. Was was he at 80 years old at that point? I'm thinking he was. Is that correct? But he needed to make a decision, and he did. It took a while, but he needed to make a decision. And over time, he recognized that he was not sufficient in his own strength. If you remember, 40 years earlier than that, he took things into his own hands and he dispatched one man with, with his hands and hit him in the sand. And he took out one man. But over the years, God took him to, to school in the desert, and he learned quite a lot in the 40 years that he was in the desert. And you and I may be taken through the wilderness per se, and we can learn a lot about our own needs too. We are certainly insufficient of our own strength. But I am blessed that Moses pled with God, please let your presence continue to go with me or to go with us. So if you forget everything I say this, this morning, 
remember two things and beseech the Lord for those two things in your prayer time. Show me now your way. Please let your presence continue with me and with us. In conclusion, Moses urgently appealed to God for two blessings. Show me now your way, and please continue your presence with us. To you, my dear people, with those two blessings actively at work on our behalf, we can not only step across the threshold into a new year, we can walk confidently to its finish. May the choices that we make in 2024 be a reflection that we have chosen carefully in the light of eternity. Remember the choices that um, that Moses made. He forsook all the pleasures and all the blessings of Egypt, and he identified with God and God's people. We'll be blessed if we do that too. May God bless you. Let's make our choices carefully in the light of eternity.